Hey, can I ask you something? Huh? What? Can I ask you something? No. Don't, Don't ask, ask me nothing. nothing! You are now tuned in to the Don't Ask Me Nothing podcast. Finally back, and I know you guys have been waiting to hear my voice. And it's been a long time. It's been a bunch of procrastination. Um, and I apologize. I really do apologize because you guys deserve better. And you guys deserve so much more than me just giving you dates and not following through. And this is me showing accountability for the lack of inspiration and the lack of, you know, integrity um, that I didn't even have with myself you know, and we're on a better note. We're on a better note. I'm thinking better. My mind is clear. My heart is made up, um, you know, and this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to fulfill, um, inspire, educate, elevate, and execute, you know. Um, with that being said, you guys probably don't even know what I've been up to, right? So if you like to know, I've been getting to know myself and trying to understand myself, understand my body, understand my mind, understand how to communicate with others and, you know, how to tolerate, you know, different people and, you know, tolerate ignorance and tolerate, you know, all types of shit, you know, and... This is going to be a real, this is going to be some real shit. And I'm going to just say how I feel on this episode, right? And this, I'm going to end this season. So, I was talking to a couple of people, right? And I felt uninspired prior to talking to them. And the reason why I felt uninspired is because I felt like I wasn't in the position to talk to these individuals financially, mentally, physically, you know? And of course the people I was talking to were about maybe like, I wanna say 14 years older than me, 15 years older than me or more, right? And I don't know if it was because I was seeking validation or what it was about, but it really bothered me. It really bothered me. And um, how can I say it? It bothered me. Why did it bother me? Because I felt like I lost myself and tried to date other people to prove something to other people. And it did nothing for me. So I'm dating someone in the DOE, right? Who works for the government, right? And that's the Department of Education, if you guys don't know what the DOE is. And, you know, I felt like I was an embarrassment, right? And, yes, I'm in my 20s, and I'm still trying to get it together and figure everything out and shit like that, you know? There is no time limit or cap on success, right? You can just ask NeNe Leakes. Or you can ask... I don't fucking know. Um, who, who's a good example of someone who found success in the, in, in their mid-ages? Steve Jobs, 
you know you can ask these people because I grew up thinking that there was a cap on success and where I have to be by the certain age right and there isn't um it started I guess this idea of me you know feeling like a failure started when I'll tell you when it started back when I worked at Equinox years ago right and I think it's worldwide now like you could just look it up um that I was sexually assaulted by someone who worked for the United Nations by someone who worked in the United Nations um and he was a litigator um and for those who don't know that it is what a litigator is is someone who litigates <laughs> right and deals with deals and partnerships and things of that nature but he was doing i believe foreign um and inter well, international um litigating um and this was a time where i was pretty happy you know i was just getting into like you know what i wanted to do i wanted to be like a stylist for celebrities and I wanted to pull clothes for, you know, rappers and music artists and, you know, Hollywood people. And I lost it all within that time of me being sexually assaulted, right? And I'm not going to go into detail about the sexual assault, but I'm going to go into detail about how I was treated, right? And me feeling that my gayness was something that they were able to use against me, right? And this is what my issue is with a lot of people who have a def with their definition of what gay and homosexuality is, right? And they make it seem, and my job is to educate people on what homosexuality or gay is, you know? And for me, homosexuality is the attraction of the same sex being attracted sexually to the same sex right without it dealing with sex i think gay is being it, there is no definition of gay right and that's why that word bothers me a lot of the times because what is gay nobody knows what the fuck gay is there is a meaning for gay right so if i look at my phone right and i type in gay it's an adjective right it's describing something right of a person or homosexual used especially for men okay and for me what is gay what is gay and i think in the hetero cis mind, not all the time, but a lot of times they look as gay as the sexual act. Sex, sex. When you say gay, they're thinking two men having sex, right? They're not thinking of the person who, like, it's like, why do I even have to say that I'm gay? Like, what is it? What's the point? Why tell people this is the gay friend, this is my gay friend? Why does it matter? Why can't you just be the friend, right? Right? 
Why do we have to, why is it that straight people can walk around this fucking world and, you know, be straight without them saying they're straight? <laughs> you know, like, why is it that being straight isn't anything but just being straight? You're not thinking when somebody says I'm straight, you're not thinking, oh, they're, it's, it's, first of all, it's not even a conversation. People are not just saying like, oh, yeah, I'm straight. You know, when you say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Jimmy and I'm straight, that doesn't, happen really that's not a com it's, it's no point of the conversation right because you're not thinking of that you're just billy right but someone walking with a little bit of you know flavor and switching their walk and you know a little sass it's like oh your name is jimmy oh are you gay like but why <laughs> why is that the topic of a conversation but and i promise you it's gonna lead back to equinox right It is a thing where being gay, there is no definition for me. Because once upon a time, let's say, I want to use mid-2000s, like, it used to be gay to wear your pants and your jeans too tight, right? That was considered gay, you know? You know, things of that nature. How is your clothes, if you're wearing pink as a boy, that's gay? It's just a color. Your tongue is pink. It's supposed to be. Does that make your tongue gay? It's demeaning. Because being gay is not demeaning, but the fact that it is used as a tool to make it seem like people who are homosexual are just over sex like sexualized what well, we are we're very over sexualized in in this straight world when somebody closes their eyes and think of like homosexual activity they're thinking of the most raunchiest shit and it's sad right so let me lead this all back into equinox so i'm dealing with someone who has you know an, a job that is government you know the government job right you got to prove yourself 50 billion times harder when you're just working as a regular receptionist or trainer or greeter or whatever the fuck it is at equinox right and it really threw me for a whirlwind because i just didn't know what was going to happen within that situation i felt so demeaned because not only was i assaulted by a overweight white man, right? The fact that because, first of all, I'm black and I'm gay, I have to prove myself 10 times harder. Like, as a gay individual, are you sure you didn't want to have any kind of sexual activities with this person? If the person was younger or looked better, would you have felt the same way because you're gay? But I can guarantee you, if I was straight, those questions wouldn't have came about, right? But because I'm gay, I get qu questioned about, you know, my intent. And because of who he is and because he has a wife and he's probably done this stuff before, maybe, who knows, um, and nobody's ever said anything, it's like he's so he has so much integrity. He's a good man, you know. He um, is someone that can be very, tr very well trusted, and it's confusing to me 
that it only takes for you to be a lawyer or a doctor or a business owner, and it can't be a raggedy business, right? It can't be like the mom and pop owner. We're talking about corporations for your word to mean anything and to stand. They pull my cards, right? Oh, he messed up a date on his resume. He said he worked here a little bit longer than what he did. Okay. Oh, college education and this is okay. Like, look, they had to go so deep because there's nothing else they can have on me, right? So they got to go so deep that the only thing they can use is like a resume because I don't come up as a person who is not trustworthy or anything like that. And, you know, but they were trying to use my gayness against me as well because they're trying to see, figure out my intent, my intent behind saying any of this. Because, like, as a gay person and gay people in the street world, I guess they think that they're just like these sex, um, you know, sex people, sex workers. And it's just like, wow, that's crazy. So I went through that that situation, that assault situation, which led me losing my job um, when I was working for Barney's, which led me to having a difficult time finding a job because they felt like I would be a liability because, you know, just telling your human resources that um, you've been sexually assaulted as a man is just so so much of a problem, right? And it was in that moment of my life that I realized that I think I want to speak up for gays, African-Americans, and people of color in general on all sides of the field and speak up not only for african-americans and people of color but also my white people because why because within my lgbtq community i have people who are white who are also oppressed as well because they're gay so for nothing more than you know being gay they're getting beat up jumped and kill so with that being said i'm fighting for all races and all genders non-binary in the lgbt community period but back to when i got assaulted and i had to deal with this individual who happened to be white and he was using his privilege and his white vitriol to make it seem like because of what he did in his life how could he be an assaulter? And look at the black boy. He's only a receptionist. Look at me. I'm the lawyer. I'm the litigator. Fuck him. Because your credibility never goes by who you are. Right? It goes by what you do for a living. It's weird. If you've never told a lie on someone and you work a regular job, you know, nine to five, 15 to $20 an hour, right? Your word means nothing to the doctor who is standing on the podium because he's a doctor. His education is what validates his truths. How? How is that possible? So I went through a, almost for about, I'm still going through this case as we're, uh, you know, to this day. And not only, so... Not only ha am I going through this case, this person continuously tries to bash me and blames me for him 
losing his career in America. And for people believing the truth. Blaming me for him sexually assaulting me. <laughs> me? The one who, you know, the little receptionist guy at the... <laughs> At the front desk, who's just clicking people in? Interesting. And then this is what Equinox tries to do. So now, you know, I have a lawyer and everything like that. I did not feel that Equinox helped me at all with this situation for the most part. They did, they they made him, I don't know exactly what they did, but they did something with, with his account, right? I talked to the spa manager after the situation, right? The spa manager tells me to wait around. I'm fucking bugging out. Wait around and um, speak to the GM. The GM gets there, right? We have the conversation. I let them know exactly what happens, right? Spa manager says, um, okay, let's get your, um, let's get your um, incident report so we can send this to human resources. The GM says, no, whoa, 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 whoa. He doesn't need a incident report. Now, as a person who is somewhat college educated, right? You don't even need to have a degree or anything like that to know that that sounds a little fucking off, right? He was like, you don't need to, we don't need to fill that out, right? He answered for me. And I'm just like, okay, so are my feelings not validated? Michael, you don't need that. It's okay. How about you just take the rest of the day off? You know? I didn't even work that day, mind you, that it happened. You know? And, you know, we'll come back to this. This shit didn't stop me from going to my other job. Because I, I worked I worked at Equinox just because I didn't want to pay the $300 a month or $200 a month. I was like, I'm not going to pay that. But I love the gym, so just make me work like once a month. You know? And so I worked at Barney's. I was, uh, I was the manager for um, e-commerce and operations at my location. And I spoke to a friend of mine. Well, at the time, we were just co-workers that we were building a friendship. We had one thing in common for the most part, and it was the fact that, well, two, we love fashion and we love Nicki Minaj. <laughs> That's what we had in common. And then the, uh, the, you know, the friendship just bloomed. Right. So I told him what happened and he was like, I think you should say something, you know, I think you should. And I was just thinking in my head, like, I don't know yet. I really don't know if I should say anything. I mean, that part was off. But then after work, I went into went into um, Equinox. And. The GM came to me and said, hey, so let's talk in the office. So we talk in the office and he's like, hey, so by the way, like, I just want you to know, like, we are handling that situation and um, don't say anything about this to like anyone or anything like that. We like to keep situations like this strictly in-house. In that moment, I felt like I was on a movie, like a really bad movie. I said, in-house? What the fuck is that? Like, what is it in-house? I was like, I don't know, like, about that, you know, about that, this old in-house thing. I don't know. Like, I 
I kind of don't feel comfortable with that. He was like, listen, we're just going to, we want to just keep this in house and we're just going to handle this. Like, if you can respect that, like, just don't bring up any names to anyone. Don't say his name to anyone, you know? And I'm just like, what? So it was in that moment where I went to the police and I wasn't going to go to the police if he would have let me fill out the incident report, but because he did not let me fill out that incident report is that's why I went to the police. Right. And I didn't even know his name when I went to the police. I didn't know who this guy was. I just knew what he looked like. Right. I didn't know his name. So I end up, you know, going into, you know, I'm still working there kind of. So I was able to like get his name. And, um, I got the, I went to the police, the police, what a great guy. I wish I remembered his name. Right. And he was very, you know, transparent with me. I went to the police and they didn't even know what to put it under. Right. They were like, I don't think that's sexual assault because like, if you're in the locker room, you know, like uh, you are allowed to be naked in the locker room. And I'm just like, what? Okay. So their captain comes in. And they explained it to the captain because they really didn't know if it was like sexual harassment, sexual assault, or just like, you know, like whatever. And the captain was like, no, that's what kind of question is that? That's sexual assault and that's sexual harassment. Like what? Fill that shit out. Filled it out. Got the person who was handling the case. Great guy. Okay. Great guy. And, um, it became such a big deal. So mind you, so how can I say this? I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know what he did. And as a person who worked and was a member prior to working at Equinox, I am going to tell you guys this. Rich people do not only have Equinox accounts. Equinox goes through different companies. People get, you know, it's a part of their benefit package at times where they don't even have to pay it comes out of their check. Like, they don't even have to pay a, a full price amount if any, if they have to pay anything at all, you know? And they barter a lot, you know? So everybody who goes to Equinox is not rich, and a lot of them are not famous. And, you know, more there are more people who go to Equinox who are not rich than you think, than the people who are rich. Uh, most people probably won't even go to Equinox if they're, like, rich, rich, rich. You know, they'll go to, like, Performix or something like that, where it's, like, $10,000 a month. So... I finally said what I had to say. I get a call from the officer, right, who was going to be in charge of the, the detective who was in charge of the case. The detective goes, and he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a fucked up place. He said, I don't know if you were, why you work there, but they are not trying to help you whatsoever. They're actually making it very difficult for me to get any kind of information. I said, Really? He said, if you could do me one thing and just get this person's name and get their, you know what I mean? Get this information for me. We can start something. So I go into the accounts and, you know, everything was like fake. Everything except it was his real name, but everything else, like his email was fake. His number was fake. But the end, of course, the police, they'll find him. And he works for the government. They'll definitely find him, right? But mind you again, I didn't know he worked for the government or anything like that. Later on, I found out that, um, what was it? 
They said they the officer had gotten in con- had gotten in contact with uh, the um, attorney general, I believe, of Manhattan, and that then they had to reach out to me and ask for like my statement. Now they did it a couple times to make sure I wasn't lying, right? And my story hasn't changed, where it still won't change, right? And so from that point. I felt like I was going against big corporation. You know what I mean? Like me, the little guy, you know, with the roommate subletting in Brooklyn, you know, is going against, you know, this big corporation. And it's scary, right? But the corporation doesn't know I'm going against them yet. They don't know. They don't know I'm going against them. So... So I get in contact with the human resource um, manager for Equinox, and she's like talking to me. We have these conversations, and she's like, "But when you come back, when you're ready to come back, I want to have a conversation with you." And I thought that was very odd, right? Because if your conversation has nothing to do with like my mental health and checking on my psyche, what do you want to talk about? So she gave me leave. She allowed me like to leave and then when I'm ready to come back, just to come back whenever I'm ready. So I was I left and I had access to, you know, still work out at Equinox and I, I still had the key to Equinox or whatever the case is. I was not fired. Um so like I chose not to work out while people were working out there. So I would come in at like, you know, twelve AM. Like at the time Equinox would close at eleven. Right, Equinox would close at eleven, and um, I remember, you know, seeing the maintenance guy. It would be the same maintenance guy. He's been there for like twenty years. Um, when I would get there, he was like, "Yeah, just lock it up," or whatever the case is. And from like twelve to three, I would just work out. You know, probably in one of the best stages of my life when it came to fitness because I was consistent like that was what I needed all the time like the gym was like my place of like being able to let my aggression out I was able to dance you know and I was able to you know sight um you know spin lift everything I love dancing it's one of my favorite things to do I love dancing I love singing I love rapping I love music right and I ended up going to work one day and then I realized like I had to go to these lawyer meetings and talk to these police officers and stuff like that. And I had to eventually I just had to tell my job like the situation, you know, because I as a manager, you have to be there, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, 30 in the morning for the trucks to unload and, you know, to delegate and things of that nature. And they fired me because they specifically said they didn't want to have any kind of like ties with that incident you know and I was so distraught I cried I cried because I always wanted to work for Barney's it's so crazy it's like it's only Barney's like I think that now it's only Barney's or it's only Saks like because I don't have to do that shit but like at the time like when you work in like fashion and retail and like you're trying to get your jump Barney's is the place to go because that's where you network. That's where you can meet everyone. I mean, I first saw Meek Mill 
working and I actually pulled for him, you know, when he came out of summer for summer jam, and that's another conversation for another day. Um, because of like Barney's, I made so much money off the books because I worked at Barney's because of people who were calling me to style them. And, you know, they wanted like my benefits and things of that nature. So yeah, that was, you know, Barney's was, you know, a big part of my life. It was a part of, you know, my financial growth. You know, I never remember saving but so much money because I worked for Barney's because I was getting, you know, from people who needed me, getting so much money from them. You know, we're talking about like, to me, like, you know, making like $1,600 in like four hours, you know, per person. That's a lot, <laughs> you know, and try doing that for like three days a week, you know, because now at this point, it's just crazy, you know. So, yeah. That also made me build a relationship with like this, you know, um, this um, consignment spot of Origins NYC, which is like one of the biggest, you know, consignment spots in Soho, you know. So it helped me build relationships and, you know, you know, things of that nature. So with that being said, I lost that opportunity because of him. Right. So I want to say maybe like four months go, no, like three months go by. I think this happened in April, May, June, July, August. So four months go by. I get in contact back with like the human resource um, manager and I'm like, hey, I'm ready to come back. What do I need to do? So she hits me with the, oh, by the way, yeah, we, we're so excited for you to come back. You know, we're so excited. Um, but just one thing. Um, so we had some conversations with like people on your staff about like sexual harassment and I just wanted to talk to you about it. Wait, what? Sexual harassment? What are you talking about sexual harassment? I barely come to work. I'm not I have no time to sexual harass anybody. Right? Oh no, it's not that. We were just it just came to our cons it was like we were just concerned. So they hitting me with all these allegations, right? Which came out of nowhere, by the way. Like, I've never heard this. And mind you, I wasn't even working for, like, months at the, t at the time after the situation. Never heard of this situation, anything. Oh, yeah, so this person said this, that person said that, that person. I said, this is very interesting that you're saying this because I was just with this person yesterday and this other person just texted me the other day um, to meet them. So I'm confused. So you know what I did? Took my phone out. I said, dial, 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 dial. Called them all. I said, is this what they, they're saying that you said? And they all denied it. Like, I never said that. Never. You know? And then another thing would go like, if I'm sexually harassing people, why would you want me to come back to work? Does that make sense? Why would you want me to go back to the location that, I was alleged of sexually assaulting, or not sexually assaulting, I'm sorry, you know, I'm gonna take that out, of uh, sexual harassment. And what is your definition of sexual harassment? Because I'm so confused. So, as, there, as that got denounced, right, and on their side, and they apologized um, for it, they were getting ready to bring me back to work, and then boom, I get a call 
from my lawyer about them finding who this person was and things of that nature. And lo and behold, that's when I found out. I want to say I found this out like late August, like right before Labor Day, right? Because I get a call from my lawyer saying, hey, um, this person, uh, the New York Post just called me about um, this guy that, you know, you're suing, or I wasn't even suing him at the time, like of the guy who assaulted you, um, he is a person who works for the United Nations and all this other stuff. I'm not going to even get into his name and none of that shit. But, like, I guess he's a higher up. And I was like, really? That's, that's him? They're like, yeah. And they want to know, like, why he's going in and out of court. And you're the reason why he's going in and out of court. Mind you, he got arrested at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning with the cuffs on on his way to the fucking precinct. He got arrested. Now, it took him a long time to get arrested, and the cop, and this is why I love the cop, because he was very, like I said before, transparent. He said to me, he said, let me be honest with you. This is a terrible thing that has happened to you. I have my commission, I have the commissioner trying to figure out what's going on, and he's on my ass, and, you know, we have your back. Like, if this is the truth, like, this, we have your back. You know, but I want to also be honest that this is going to be not an easy task. First of all, I want to say this. Me as a Latino and that I'm speaking as if I'm the officer because he was Latino. Me as a Latino and you as African-American, you know, if this was us and the tables were reversed, we could arrest you the next day. But because he is white and, you know, and because of who he is. This is not going to be, it's not going to be one of those things. And I apologize for that. But that's, and I'm going to give you the reality. And all I could do was appreciate the reality, right? So that was the reality. And I just want to go back to the whole thing with the sexual harassment, right? I felt that that was asked by men. Like, Equinox sought out men to ask if I sexually harassed them, Right? Why men? I've never stated that I was gay. Why would make you think that? You know? And that's why my issue with gay is like in the cis hetero world is that they look, not all of them, and I don't speak for all people when I say they. I speak for a majority of the people when they call, when they think of gay, they're not thinking of a human being. They're thinking of sexual activity. And that's how we, we have to somehow separate the two, right? We have to separate the two because they are two totally different things. There is a way to be homosexual or, you know, or gay without ha being a sexual, op you know, opted, you know, operated human. Like, we all have sex, so it should not be a conversation. And what goes on in somebody's private room, unless you're so open about that, it should stay private, right? So me meeting someone and me being the gay friend is demeaning because when you bring up the gay friend, it brings up red alerts that, oh, this person might like me, and I'm straight. How? If women don't even like you. I just roll my eyes, you guys, because it's so annoying. 
but this is the reality. So let me get into how this has affected me, right? So the individual ended up getting charged, but when he got charged, he got like this light tap on his fucking hand, right? And it was able to get cleaned off his record because he didn't get in trouble for six months. You know, it's they gave him very much of a thing where in New York, like if you hop the turnstile and, you know, it's called theft of services. If you're good and you don't get in trouble for the next six months after they give you that, you know, verdict, it gets sealed up. It's never to be talked about again. It never happened. So that's what happened. So I was like, okay. Then he started bringing out things of basically saying, basically saying that I was a liar and he blamed Equinox for having this sex image of a gym of the reason why it was just so easy for, you know, people to just throw sexual assault at people, bitch. Let me say something. I'm not out here talking about sexual assault all the fucking time. I don't give a fuck about, you know, none of that shit. I'm just saying what happened to me and my conversations. I don't go into work um, attempting to, um, you know, blueprint on how to get sexually assaulted on myself and, you know, press charges on someone. Okay. Because let me tell you something that whole shit on sexual, uh, on, on, Law and Order SVU, that shit is light work from the television compared to being it in real life, okay? Going every day, every other week, you know, when you don't even, like, I had to move, my parents did not feel that it would be safe for me to live in New York with this guy who is, you know, has somewhat of, like, status and some kind of power, right? They didn't feel that it was comfortable for me to live in Brooklyn anymore, so they wanted me to come home. So I'm going back home. And, you know, they felt it would be safer for me to be there than in New York. I was so depressed going back to New York. And I was so um, upset that someone who knows, who doesn't even know me, right, had so much control over everything I was doing, had control over my thoughts, had control over people I had sex with. Like, I remember, like, like it was yesterday, I remember after I left Equinox, I ended up getting a job, right, in Soho. And I remember leaving work. I was on an app and, you know, I went to go meet up with someone. Right. And um, we ha- we hung out a couple of times and I finally like we just like he was like, uh, I forgot he was like a real estate agent. So <laughs> what he did was one of the houses that he was like, you know, selling, I guess, um, for someone. He just had to stay there the night. There it was a nice place. I'm not going to lie. It was a nice place. Um. But then, because he brought up and he knew something about that situation, he knew my face from the paper, right? And, you know, he tried, and it's so crazy, to record, like, I, so I would sleep, right? And he had recorded him performing, like, sexual acts on me while I was sleeping, right? How do I know this? My phone died, and... Um, I needed to use his phone to, um, or my phone didn't die. I couldn't find my phone. So I needed to use his phone, uh, to call my phone. He forgot to close out of his photos and I seen me in the photos. Yeah. And that's how I found that out. And, and it was just so weird that he would even ask me about that situation and then do stuff, do something like that. 
You know, it was just like, and I, my Instagram, I wasn't using Twitter at the time. My Instagram was just, the analytics were so fucking high. Like, I'm coming from someone who was like, had maybe like, you know, 15, you know, 15 to 20,000 impressions to like getting like close to 200,000 impressions, you know, daily. So my face, people knew who the fuck I was, right? And especially in the gay community, because a lot of gay um came to my defense and you know they were very happy of the fact that i was actually speaking out against you know white you know vitriolic individuals in power who think they could just take advantage of not only just black people but women black women white women men you know it's just it, it, it has nothing to do with race at this point it's just about people who feel they're in so who have so much power and feel so entitled to you without your permission and in that moment of me in that scene room with this fucking individual i felt so powerless because i knew if i were to react how any normal human being would act i would be the one behind bars because he could turn because of who he is he could turn that situation into a situation where i am the crazy aggressive you know black guy who doesn't know how to control my anger but I'm smarter than that. <laughs> so much smarter than that. <sighs> so, Michael, how does this lead to the original topic of, like, your relationships today, right? Now, this is how it leads there. The first conversation I'm having with people, I think the only one person who I dated recently knew about that situation because I knew them before that situation, right? But during the, the this this time, it seemed like how I was looking at the men I was dating who were mostly, you know, I did I date all races, but like the guys I was actually dating were actually white, right? Um the white men that I would date, they would look at me as if like I was meat, right? And I came in with this idea that men, what, do white men only look at me because, like, I'm black and I'm, I'm a fetish? Now, mind you, the person who did this assault to me was married with a wife and kids, you know? What's wrong with your wife? Why are you hopping on the nigga for? What do we... Let me tell you the the stereotype of everything being big for me it's true but for a lot of niggas it's not true all black people don't got the thing thing the big thing thing I do <laughs> you know and you know I felt powerless and I felt like I was like market meat and when I think of market meat a slave market my grandmother educated me on black issues before I even knew what the fuck black race was. She had me watching and learning about the Ernest Green story. If you guys don't know who Ernest, the Ernest Green story, you should look it up. I knew about the Ku Klux Klan living up north where it's not really prevalent at, at the time when I, when I was a kid, right? Living up north, I knew about the Ku Klux Klan while I was in first grade. I knew about black issues before I even knew I was black. 
So it's always been in the back of my head. Being taken advantage of, I know what it's like. I was sexually molested by a, a black woman, right? So I know what it feels like to be taken advantage of and being powerless. And in that moment of me being in that gym, in that moment, I felt powerless. Then I felt powerless again when I had a corporation try to go up against me. It made it seem like my voice wasn't important, that I can't even tell them my report. So it almost made, they always made it, they made it look like I was looking for some kind of clout and a, and a payout. Where if you would have just did the shit correctly the first time, we wouldn't even be in this fucking situation. Now, Equinox as a gym is great. It's a great place to work out. It, it's spacious. It's beautiful. Everything is up to date. There's lounging. There's swimming. Classes that are top tier. I don't know about their trainers, but I know about the classes. And if anybody, I would tell you guys to save your fucking money for a trainer and just take a fucking uh, book a class. You'll get better results, right? <sighs> this is not a bash Equinox, Equinox thing, though. It's not that. But it leads me into today of how I was dating. So I was dating these men in positions. I was dating someone who worked for the D, for the um, Department of Education, you know, who made well over, you know, $300,000 a year, you know, um, who lived in the high rise in Brooklyn. I did, I, that was, it was a quick, short minute, and he inspired me just a little bit. But this person also felt like he could take advantage of my mind and take advantage of and think for me and speak for me, and he can't. He'd be like, you're so smart. So if I'm so smart, let me do what I know what I'm doing. But then he would always do something where it'd be like he felt that he knew everything and it was almost like he wanted me to become, you know, and I feel like slave is like, I'm not going to use the word slave because I don't think he wanted me to be a slave to him, right? But I felt like he wanted to be in control of me. And I had a problem with that, with a white man wanting to be in control of me because I'm still not off of the whole equinox shit, right? But Michael, oh yeah, he wasn't white. He was Latino. But he was he could pass for white. And and I but the thing about it is I love this dance, but then he maybe it was just it was getting weird because he would consider me a public figure. I don't even consider myself a public figure. Shit, Twitter and Instagram don't consider me a public figure, but he does because of the amount of followers I had on Instagram and the amount of followers that I have on Twitter. He's like, you're a public figure. Look at your fucking interaction. You're getting 4 million impressions. 2 to 4 million impressions a month. Somebody's looking at you. And what you do and what you talk about and what I want to do it doesn't align. So you got to be quiet about us and you got to be the secret. I'm nobody's secret. Now, I understand privacy, but I'm nobody's fucking secret, though. Because the secret is almost, to me, it came off as like you're ashamed. And I felt that because I, once again, I felt like I was in a position where I wasn't where I was supposed to be because I had this idea of where I should be at in my late 20s and I wasn't there. 
Boom. So while I'm talking to this individual, little does he know I got someone who isn't really ashamed of me, right? We are out, we hug, we show public affection. Who's richer than, who's rich? He makes enough, he makes so much money that he says he doesn't care about money. But only somebody who makes a lot of money can say something like that to me. In my, if you come to my world, right? And it's just like, this person's idea of a relationship didn't have any correlation with friendships. To me, excuse me, to me, you need to have a friendship before you have a relationship. Because I, a relationship is, to me, something that is built off of a friendship, right? Or at least a relationship when it comes to spending your life with someone, right? You want to be with someone who is going to have your back 150 billion percent, right? Who's going to always support you, who will tell you when you're wrong, but not in, pub in public, but will let you know when you're wrong, right? But have and def but defend you, for the most part, right? For the most part, not in all cases, but you get people. I understand if you have a brain and common sense, you understand my drift. So, this individual felt that I was a dummy for thinking that you need a friendship before a relationship. That's cool. We don't have to speak. You were out of the country for a month and a half working, hardly picking up my phone, and then you want to come back to the States and you want to start from where you where we began. Nope, I'm on to someone else by now who I really enjoy. Who's my age. Who understands the Black Lives Matter movement, not as a organization, but as a human being who is dating someone who has a black life that matters. I don't want to date someone and I have to explain to them black issues all the fucking time. We can have a conversation about black issues, but I, I don't want it to be a thing where I have to educate you on the black issue when it's already there. Now, if you have questions, that's different. But for me, if you're saying some shit and then you don't understand how it's problematic, and it deals with race, because race is, uh, for now, we live in a time where nowadays race is the conversation. Even if it's not the conversation, it becomes the conversation. And the individual who we call Mr. President because he's the president of certain companies, right? Can you imagine liking someone so much and then like them turning, being them making you so turned off with them? And this is another reason how I know that a lot of times, even though I date people who are, you know, powerful in whatever they do or, you know, important in whatever they do, money doesn't fucking run my fucking life. It doesn't. Now, if you want to know how to get a sugar daddy i could teach you some things on how to get a sugar daddy but i'm not in there for that because the thing about people who are sugar babies they need uh, 
What does a baby need? They need nurturing. They need attention. They need attentiveness. You need to purchase and buy things for this baby. A baby can't go outside and buy pampers and baby wipes and formula and bottles and pacifiers and fucking nose fucking snot blowers and shit like that. A baby can't do that shit. The parent does. A baby can't just leave. A baby won't leave because they need the nurturing. You think if the mom tells the baby no, that is it's gonna be like, oh girl, you told me no, so I'm not gonna, you know, suck your titty milk because you told me no. No, the baby needs the milk. It needs to be nurtured and taken care of. Me, I don't need the milk. These niggas is not milking me. These men aren't doing nothing for me. I don't need them. And I had a specific, I specifically said, we are on two totally different kind of times. You are established. I'm building establishment. I'm not a person who can sit in somebody's fucking condo or penthouse and just sit there and be like the house husband. That shit is whack. I got to work. I got to move around. I got to feel important. I got to feel like I'm making a difference. I need to be innovative. I need to be out there educating and executing and elevating. Like I said, when I first started this podcast. I am in a mindset now that I am no longer letting people take advantage of me. I will no longer let people manipulate me because I want to be manipulated. I'm so smart that I know when I'm being manipulated. And I play it off like I don't know, but I always know when I'm being manipulated. I'm not rich. I'm not from, you know, I'm from the suburbs, right? I didn't have a I wasn't poor, but I wasn't living in Calabasas. I've been around the street. I'm very street smart. I'm also very book smart. Idiots. You can't sun me. You can't put me down. I am in charge of me. Now, to my listeners, I want you to do the same for yourself. You're no longer the gay friend. You're the fucking friend. You're not going to insult me. Because being gay is not insulting. But what you're trying to implement is that He's gay, so be. it's almost like a, a warning sign. Warning, warning, he's gay, but I don't want you guys to think I'm gay because I have a gay friend, so let me tell you that he... Bro, are you so insecure? You're no longer just the gay... You're not gay because as the, as the adjective, right? Do you, uh, it's insulting. It's like, it's like you knowing that you're black, me knowing I'm black and them saying like, oh, by the way, he's black. 
Oh, by the way, she's Jewish, by the way, by the way. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? Oh, she's Israeli. He's Chinese, by the way, by the way, by the way. It's just something that you don't, it, it's not a point. There's no point to it. Because, oh, you think because if you have a the black friend, does, if you have a black friend, does that make you black? No. So what, uh, does it change anything? No. What it does is, is it makes you more diverse. It makes you look like you have inclusivity in your fucking heart. That's what it makes you look like. You know? What's wrong with being a human being? What's wrong with just being the friend? So I, I hit a lot of different points, right, today. I'm talking about owning who you are without feeling disrespected. Finding yourself and standing standing firm in who you are and not letting people to be able to belittle you or manipulate you. And being true to you and don't have anybody in your circle that's ashamed of you in public. You shouldn't have to explain to anybody who you are and why you're with them. If this is who you are. Now, that doesn't apply to other things, but we're talking about this situation because anybody could pull a cat out of the fucking bag and be like, well, if my friend is like has like Nazi friends, like he would have to explain. Bitch, you shouldn't be around people like that in the first place. OK, we're not even talking about that. It's not, we're not talking about that. You guys. This is Michael Da Vinci. And Michael Da Vinci is here. Reinvented. With a different kind of mindset. Now, you either going to fuck with me or you're going to chuck the deuces up. But I promise you, if you fuck with me, you will be blessed. You'll be so blessed. Because I'm not going to, I'm no longer, you know, I'm controversial. I know this. Maybe at times I could be a little problematic, but my intentions are always pure and they're good. I am here to bring awareness. I want people to be aware of their surroundings, aware of what they're doing with their life, aware with with who they align themselves with, right? Because it can bite you in your ass. Stop being an idiot. You have to intuition. You have a conscious. You have God. You have all these things that can literally warn you. And then you have me, and I'm giving you the warning. Who the hell is this calling me at 1247 in the night while I'm watching the fight? If y'all know, that's Nicki Minaj's version of the Biggie song, Warning. Looking at the phone, there's no name in sight. Black Dye D knew something just wasn't right. That's called, that's the warning. That's the tuition. 
My girl Candy from out in Miami told me that my man was some bitch in the Camry. Car seat in the back like they started the family. Yo, Cam, stop playing. What the fuck is you singing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm back, you guys. And I know this is what you've been waiting for. And we're here. Michael's back. And like I always say, be strong. Love yourself. I don't think I ever said this shit. <laughs> I don't think I ever said that shit. But I'm telling you now, be strong, love yourself. Okay? Do what you know is right. Get healthy. Read a book. Learn about your history. Learn politics. You know, and not just government politics, all politics. Health politics, you know. Sleeping politics, whatever you need, work politics, business politics, learn them, educate yourself, you know? I'm doing this because I want people to be, and you're going to see I'm going to have a lot of cis-gendered, hetero, you know, living individuals on my podcast because I'm going to make it my mission to make these motherfuckers aware and, you know, I'm trying to pick their fucking brains because sometimes the shit that they think is not, it's, it's all over the fucking place. And like, you'll hear it. I have a friend who just came from the army and he, um, he's a very interesting cracker, you know? And when I'm saying cracker, he's, I'm not saying it in the racist term, I'm just saying he's just a very interesting individual. I'm just using the word cracker. Um, he's a very interesting, you know, person, you know, that I'm trying to like understand, break into pieces. And I say cracker because like a cracker is something that you can easily like just crumble and break. Right. And I'm trying to understand his brain. I'm trying to uncrumble his brain to see how he's thinking. So you're going to hear that. Um, and it's going to be a very interesting. It's going to be a blessing. And, you know, that's that on that. Um, as well as like his time in the military and, you know, he, you know, the trans issues that was going on in there and se um, sexual assault issues and sexual harassment and, you know, sex, gay sex, all types of sex. I love sex. <laughs> Maybe like this is not even a sex podcast, low key. Like it, it really isn't. But I talk about sex sometimes. It was starting off that way, but then I was just like, I guess not. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But, yeah, you guys. I love you guys. Stay blessed. Stay proactive. Read your rights. Know who the fuck you are. Don't let nobody fucking play you. Put God first. Peace. <laughs>